Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey there, this is the Alts in Our Stars podcast. My name is Chris Payne. Maybe this is the first time listening to the podcast. Maybe you've been listening to the podcast for a long time. If that's the case, then I apologize for those early episodes, but we all improve, right? No, I'm just kidding. I think they're all right, and I am very, very happy for all of my guests who have come on this podcast since the beginning. We're approaching a year, and I'm really excited about that. And I'm just really thrilled with uh, how this one turned out. It was a really great talk with uh, James Alex, who is the front man of a new band called Beach Slang out of Philadelphia. They're putting out their debut album right around now. I'm not sure exactly what day this podcast will go out exactly, but the the podcast comes out, or the, the, the album it is, it's called Things We Do to Find People Like Us. It's the first Beach Slang album, and it's coming out on Polyvinyl Records. And yeah, I really, really enjoyed this conversation with James. Uh, the band is new, but he's been in um, several bands before, most notably Weston, a punk band from Pennsylvania. We talked about his past with music, about The Replacements, about Jawbreaker, about the Goo Goo Dolls even. If that sounds out of place to you, then listen to the podcast. Well, you'll see how it actually fits in very well to this group of bands. So, yeah, this is a talk I enjoyed a lot with um dude behind a band that I like a lot right now. So I hope you enjoy this too. This is Beach Slang on the Alt and Our Stars. So here at Billboard with James from Beach Slang. Um... You're making your rounds today. We we're just talking about that album in two weeks. Album in two weeks, yeah. First full length. First full length as Beach Slang. Yep. What's it like? Because you've done with West and other other bands. What's it like now doing this album cycle? And you know, doing promotion and interviews and playing like shows leading up to. It? What's it like doing it now versus like your experience? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I think now, right? There's just this sort of like really sweet machine in place you know um i don't know sometimes i get nervous caught like a machine where it just gets all mechanical and cold at that point everybody that's sort of working with us is a real gigantic heart right and sort of good person so like before i just never had that so it was more just like oh our friends are going to kind of put out our records and we're just going to kind of wing it and just kind of do the thing and this feels structured (laughs) in a way that like um not quite as used to but it feels like oh i understand why now that sort of exists, you know. And you're with Polyvinyl now. That's correct. Yeah. So do you think it's more that you're with uh, like a bigger label or just how the world has changed, maybe both? Yeah. Um I don't know. I suppose the label surely had like has like a lot to do with it. Um yeah, I don't know. The the world sort of at large. I guess it's easier to sort of like categorize and box things in with like now it's like you can sort of contact the music blog and maybe they'll write about your record and things like that. So where there is like um, you can sort of be like completely DIY and still have sort of purposefully sort of go after things and maybe even land a few, you know, where before that was completely impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm crediting the record label for sure, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause like when back in the nineties is so much, I mean like this is stuff that I've all gotten secondhand cause like I'm 26 years old. I wasn't like going to shows them, but so much was like word or mouth or like getting a flyer. Like, I guess that was how you, you did it. It was. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And you know, um, yeah, like zines and, and kind of things like that, like mixtapes kind of sent in the mail. Like there was a real sort of people who were in the scene then. Um, and I suppose it's the same now, but certainly back then you could really sort of, you meant it. 
because mm-hmm. it was it was kind of harder work, you know, where like now you can sort of like just sort of go on Bandcamp or whatever it may be. And it's like sort of immediately get turned on all sorts of new things. Like you really had to sort of dig through vinyl and sort of exchange zines and, and all that kind of stuff back then, you know, which was nice, which I miss in some yeah. ways, you know. Do you feel like any sincerity has been lost? Um, well, I don't want to say yes, but, you know, I suppose a little bit has, right? As things are just easier to sort of reach out and grab, I suppose your level of sort of investment is able to shrink a bit, mm. you know? Um, so, yeah, I suppose that exists. But, but you know, hey, I'm a glass is half full kind of guy. I mean, I want to believe that, that that thing's still still shining in people, right? Yeah, and yeah. like what you were just saying with the album things being more organized seems like a bigger production. That's a good thing. Yeah, that, that that's a great thing, you know. And it and it's not just like it doesn't it doesn't feel like throwing sort of darts in the dark, you know. It's all very like strategic again being used in a good way, you know, where like things feel I don't know, there's a real sense of doing things as opposed to just like, well, if I throw out a thousand things, maybe one will sort of stick. You know, yeah. here it's all sort of really considered and thought about and seems to be working. Mm-hmm. yeah so like take me through i think it would be good for like listeners to like a little bit i want to talk more about the album but to give a little bit of like the background of beach line like take me through the genesis of it and like where like you and all the members and your previous bands came from was it like a meeting or making one song or a gig like what made it come together yeah right on well it was um so JP is sort of our drummer, sort of the, um, I don't know, I guess I'd consider him sort of the little matchmaker, you know? He uh, So like he knew sort of everyone, and so we were all a couple degrees separated from one another, just being in the scene together. But um, yeah, he sort of knew I was writing songs, kind of keeping to myself or whatever, and he's like, look, you know, people should hear these things. He heard just these little crude little demos, and he's like, I know this guy. So we just sort of got together one night played a thing you know a song like looked at one another and was like oh i guess this is a band where like before it was just sort of thought about like let's keep james healthy and get him out of the house you know it was sort of like then it sort of turned into after we played that like i was pretty convinced right away like okay this isn't going to be like just this sort of therapeutic thing this is going to be a thing we sort of dive fully into and we have i mean we really haven't stopped since that first rehearsal so and what song was that uh filthy luck so it yeah, was on the, the first EP. First song on the first yeah. EP, yeah. I mean, that was like, yeah, that was first for a reason. Like, it always sorts sort of symbolically correct, you know, that that would be the thing, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, it was it was immediately right. Like, the chemistry was right. Like, yeah, just everything about it felt really, really good. So, And I know that that's tough, right? It's, like, fairly easy to find someone who plays the drums or plays the bass or whatever it might be. But it's really difficult to find people who do those things that you can live in a van with for a month. Right. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. So we've been lucky in that way for sure. And now that you have, like, another 10 songs with the full length to work into a set, do you feel like still Filthy Luck, will that always be in the set because it was, like, the song that made it? Yeah, I, I suppose in some I way, right? I guess I'm right? making it hard for you to take it out now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, but it would be that thing I would imagine, right, if we didn't kind of play it right. I mean, if, 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 if I go to see whoever it might be, right, I'm hoping they play whatever that song is right um Mm -hmm. look you know man if people want to hear anything by us i'm more than happy to play it right i'm just happy people are showing up at shows Mm -hmm. and and want to do the thing so it's not like i know sometimes people take um maybe get wrapped up too much in terms of like their artistic whatever that thing is but it's just like they'll sort of refuse the play the that sort of signature thing or whatever it's like i have absolutely no trouble playing that thing you know so Mm -hmm. it's like yeah, man, you know, I'll play whatever and whenever. It, it really is that simple for me. Like, you know, rock and roll is a pretty cool way to exist. I'm not trying to complicate it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and what you're saying makes me think because of fest coming up, because you have multiple things, not just beach slang. Right, right. So that is basically saying I'll play anything for you people. Literally anything. I'm doing, like, so it's, so right, so beach slang's doing a jawbreaker cover set twice to like get the kickoff party and the after party after it's over um i'm doing like an an official acoustic show weston's playing a show and then i signed up i've just been asked by kids i'm doing this thing whatever the canadian beer purge is some crazy part and then like three hotel parties where it's just basically just me with my acoustic and everybody getting drunk in a hotel room i mean it's like so i stand by what i just said i mean i really will i mean it's just like really i mean what else am i gonna 
what 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 else am I going to go do that's going to be more fun? You know, mm-hmm. it's like this is what I signed up in life to do. I'm more than happy to to do it. You know, yeah, yeah. So I don't, and we'll see how that goes, right? I mean, that's the end of the first week of tour. Like the next day, we're in Nashville. You know, Nashville's going to be a little little clumsy for James. You know, I mean, it's going to be <laughs> after you know a five day bender at Fest. Um, next show could be a little could be a little little dicey but you know we'll figure it out yeah yeah we adapt as humans you know <laughs> <laughs> have you done fest before or just gone there it just last year was my first time okay. and, and we played um last year and it was it really knocked my socks off you know i because i kept everybody kept talking to me about it telling me how great it was and all these things and i was kind of like i started to get a little ner- a little nervous about that that hype telling because mm. i was like oh, it's never going to live up to this and it just just crushed it i mean it was so much better than that so um yeah i'm hanging my hat on this this year will be even better i mean it's seeming like there's a pretty good chattery little buzz happening right now that we're gonna play so yeah hopefully kids will come out and we'll sing along to the new record and have a time you know yeah and like i've never been to fest so okay when you say like people hype it up what like specifically what makes fest so awesome well it's sort of like <clears throat> i guess i what really happens down there is like um so this is a university city, like in Gainesville. Yeah, college town. So it's like, right, so all those college kids split to go to like, I guess it's like a homecoming game or something. So oh. all these punks sort of invade the space. And for, you know, for four days or whatever, it's like this little punk rock utopia. I mean, it really mm-hmm. is. It's like um, everybody's just sort of looking out for each other. The vibes are always totally cool. Everybody makes sure if you want a drink and you don't have one, they'll, they'll hand you one. You know, it, it really, it, it almost feels this like, very unpoliced sort of city but there's no need to police it because everybody's just sort of like having a really cool time it it genuinely lived up to that it's going to be the best festival you ever go to and i was like yeah i I don't plan on ever missing one it's really a cool time it's like looking out for people in the pit but that mentality just of a festival and i'm just living absolutely yeah it's it's absolutely it's the it's the life version of the pit for yeah. sure yeah <laughs> that'd be a good pull quote for them for advertisement <laughs> they would love if it if they want to sure. go that route right on <laughs> and cuz i didn't realize that about coinciding with homecoming to like get i guess like the broier crowd out of town, out of the out of the picture. Is it that always? That's that's because it's on Halloween weekend too. Yeah, that that's my understanding. I mean, that's what I've been told. Like I said, mm-hmm. this is only my second year, but um, that's what I was told. And surely, I mean, I believe it, right? When I was there last year, it was it really was just all of us who kind of came in and were in the town, you know. But it's really cool too, like because like the locals and business owners and all that things, they you know they really dig it, you know, because it's just like these really sort of hungry, eager kids are just sort of invading their city, like looking to do it all. Like for four days, money's meaningless to you. You'll just spend yeah. whatever you have, just have a good time. So sort of everyone wins kind of. Everyone's kind of, kind selling of beer, it, exa- it sounds like. It, yeah, they, they, they love they these are. kids coming down, down to Gainesville for that. For, They're going to say no. Of course. <laughs> There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. <laughs> so you're playing a, an all Jawbreaker cover set. You said two of That's them. That's right. Yeah, yeah. The um, At the sort of the kickoff, like the pool party they have during registration. And then um, the after party, it's sort of like... Yeah, just it, so we're we're literally sort of bookending fest with mm-hmm. a Jawbreaker cover set. Yeah, mm. so excited. That's interesting because like for for a lot of the people there, like my age, it's gonna be like 
the way we learn about jawbreakers just like looking back at the past but for you like you were in bands at the same time as them sure yeah huh so there's kind of like different mindsets yeah it, it, it exactly i suppose there's sort of different I don't know, sort of the way you attach yourself to their music might vary a little bit, but I think mm. at its core, right, it all sort of means the same. I think it all hits us in the same place regardless of how you came up with it or yeah. when you got turned on to it. So, yeah, yeah, should be should be great. Yeah, um, do you know the guy Tom Mullen who does the washed-up emo everything? I do, I do. I don't know him in the real world, but I've yeah. talked to him by way of email quite a few times. Okay, we're, I had him on the podcast last week, and we oh, talked right for on. a while about Jawbreaker and whether or not they would ever get back together, that whole thing. Oh, yeah, that thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we thought for sure that was going to happen at Riot Fest, because you know how they do the question marks. And yeah. I guess, for one, it was the same amount of letters. And, I mean, obviously, like the, the rumor mill was just losing their minds, right? We were Everyone mm. was so convinced it was going to be them. Um, it turned out to be the prodigy. So it was not Jawbreaker. Close. Um, it's close. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I, you know, look, you know, we keep holding out hope, right? I mean, I don't know. It's one of those deals where I think I think I have a better chance of seeing Jawbreaker in my lifetime before I see the Smiths, which are my two sort of grand holdouts. Yeah, you know? I would say Jawbreaker is much more realistic. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's how I always sort of like, I don't know, it doesn't, it doesn't cut me quite as deeply because I, I have that like... Well, at least it's at least it's not a Smith situation, you know. So that sort of gives me hope because they we'll all see. like each other, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they all still talk and do the thing because I know they just shot like a documentary about like, you know, the East Bay kind of scene and stuff like that. And I know, you know, all those guys were in it and talked about it and seemingly are are friendly. So um, if you're listening, no, I, I know. Mm-hmm. but yeah, no. I mean, I I I I. I uh, I really hope that happens. I've had the good fortune of talking to Adam, their drummer, quite uh-huh. a few times. And, um, man, what a sweetheart. I just wanted to say how sweet he was. I just mm-hmm. wanted to there you put go. that on the there record. There you know? out yeah. there. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Ho- yeah, hopefully they'll play. But um, what was what was Tom's stance on that? Did he uh, Does he see that happening? Or Well, they jo- he... he jokes about it a lot, about just okay. the prospect of a Jawbreaker reunion on Watched Up Emo. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean... It's like anyone else. He doesn't know. I don't think he didn't seem like he was banking on it. I think okay. he was more just his tone was just like, if they choose to do it, great. I'm not the type to just really hate on a reunion. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And sometimes, right? I don't know. Isn't it? I know I say this hypocritically, considering Weston's just just about to do a reunion show. But it's like there's something about um, a band being framed in a time and a place when they were sort of. I don't know. I, I just never want to see like. You know how sometimes you can be a little nervous about like when a band means so much to you, like you have it framed so perfectly mm-hmm. in your head and your heart, you know, and then they do a reunion show and it's like, oh man, wasn't quite what I, what I hoped it would, it would be. Um, yeah. You know, so it's like a little risky, but not that I, not that I see Jawbreaker doing that. I mean, but uh, I don't know, you know, I, cause I had that, I had that conversation inside of my head when like the replacements got back together. Um, but yeah, they just they just slayed. So it was yeah, like, they oh, sounded so much better. Yeah, exactly. I was like, yeah, here's an example that just completely threw my theory like way off the rails. You know, these guys mm-hmm. like you know. So yeah, do what you want to do as long as it makes you happy. That's really kind of my. If I just paint in broad strokes here, you yeah. know, I mean, who am I? I don't know anything. <laughs> I'm just winging it every day of my life. You know. So <laughs> yeah, but if they get together, I'll I'll certainly be there. That's for sure. Yeah. Wow. I can't imagine what that would be like. Yeah, that would be pretty ridiculous yeah yeah i try to think about what what size venue they'd have to play right that's such a tricky discussion because yeah yeah because like their thing is like intimate right yeah and like regionally where they chose it's like it would it could get to the point where they just wouldn't want to play a place that big especially if they hadn't played together in so long for sure yeah like in new york they could probably drop them easily in like terminal five if they got back together but i don't think they would want that yeah for sure they'll do like a 15 night stand at suburbia or something which would be amazing yeah (laughs) it's funny i'm looking at a big glossy framed photo of green day in the outside (laughs) throughout this entire (laughs) conversation talking about jawbreaker See some sort of parallel there. <laughs> anyway, we should we should right talk on. about the Beach Slang album. Oh sure, we should talk about that. Yeah okay. Um, yeah. So a couple of things I I picked out like, first of all, it just like strikes me. It's it's such an earnest record. Like the, the lyrics and everything is so earnest. Do you think at all about coolness and being perceived as cool? Do you care about that at all and how it all fits in? 
Yeah, no. I mean, look, I'm sort of eternal. I, 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 I've sort of been perpetually uncool. Like, I, you know, I, and I think that's the, that's the great place I get to write from is that, like, kid trying to fit in. Like, that still feels very true to my nature, you know? Like, I'm awkward and uncomfortable in almost everything I do, right? When I'm not, like, doing the band, I'm sort of just keeping to myself, you know? So it's like... Um, yeah, no, I really, like, that's the thing with Beach Slang when I wrote for this. It's the thing I think that pulls me away from, like, anything else I've ever done. Is like, I made a very conscious decision about just wanting to be really honest and really direct and, you know, just hard on my sleeve kind of vibe, you know? And I think I've I've managed to, to stay pretty true to that. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it seems like... Correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like the lyrics are very much written just for the space of playing... T- the playing a show and sharing that vibe with just a room of people who like you fit in with without a doubt without a doubt yeah i was i was doing an interview just just a bit ago and the writer referred to the songs as love letters to rock and roll and i was like yeah oh man can can i have that like i wanted to (laughs) use that for something but i i was just like i think that's it you know like i still like we walk into a club and i whatever it might be like the 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 gunk on like a road case or that smell of stale beer, like all that stuff still really like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a real lifer with this thing. You know what I mean? It's all very, it's romanticized to me, but in real time, you mm-hmm. know, like I still, I just love everything about it. So I think I'm able to write from that place is still like sort of that kid who first got turned on to records when he, whenever, whatever age I was, when I first heard like the buzzcocks or whatever, you know, um, I still very much feel that way on the inside. So now I just have sort of the courage, maybe a little bit of bravado to sort of write about it mm-hmm. openly, you know, where before I was always really guarded because I was like, if you're guarded and people don't like your stuff, it's kind of like, well, I haven't given them the full deal. So you, you have that little bit of sanity left. Yeah. You sort of like put everything of yourself into a record and people don't like it. There's kind of nowhere to hide, right? Because you, you took mm-hmm. all your little armor off. Um, so yeah, I still feel safe. Two EPs yeah. in a full length in. Um, yeah. Maybe I don't. Maybe I don't need so much armor these days. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, is things we do to find people like us. The album tell is that basically that's what you were just saying, right? Precisely. What it is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I I wrote this little little I don't know lyric or poem at this place in Montreal once, but it was about sort of um just looking around and there was all these people that seemingly didn't make a whole lot of sense. We were all in the same place, but then it made perfect sense, you mm-hmm. know. And I just I don't know. There was something really really sweet about that um so yeah but but yeah it all sort of ties back to to that thing you know um really all i try to do is think that i'm scoring john hughes films that's what i that's okay that's really what i try to like when i sit down to write, write songs it really is like i think to myself if i were scoring a john hughes film okay that's what i'm gonna do and then i think to myself well how would sort of bukowski put language to this and then when i have that i'm like okay well what chords would westerberg put behind it and then it's a beach slang song, you know, and it probably falls well short of all three of those people. But like, that's what I'm aiming for. Yeah. So take out the synthesizer, replace it with Westerberg chords. <laughs> that's right. Of, of, like the synthesizer of John Hughes of that's that right. soundtrack. That's it, man. With the terminally uncool kid. That's it. In the Breakfast Club. And, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. It really is that simple. Now it's like I just just gave I just gave it away, you know. Uh, the formula. <laughs> I just gave it away. <laughs> But yeah, but yeah, I don't know. You know, you need that thing. But yeah, all that, all that like coming of age stuff, I really, really dig. Sort of, mm. you know, I'm stuck in like, I got into like rock and roll because you can sort of live in an arrested state of development, you know. So I'm sort of like stuck in teenagerdom. Yeah. yeah. It's cool. I don't huh. want to grow up. Very Peter Panny of me, you know, in some ways. Mm. In other ways, I've grown up too much and, ugh, you know, <laughs> real life has not agreed with me as much as, you know, the sort of fantasy land of being in a band, you know, mm. I like that much better. Yeah, I picked up on up on this sort of middle ground in your lyrics, like too late to die young, and also like too fucked up to love, too soft to hate. Um, not sure if this is a question, really, <laughs> but do you do you agree with that with what I'm picking up on here? Like sort of like between existing in like a real way between two extremes. Yeah, yeah, without without question, you know, and and that's the thing too. I remember like <clears throat> thinking about. Um, you know when whatever it might be musicians or artists or writers you can sort of paint yourself into like your own little prisony box you know like you just write sad songs all the time and all of a sudden like there's an expectation that all of your songs need to be sad if you write really happy upbeat songs now you kind of have to do that and it's kind of like 
I don't know, you know, humans are pretty multifaceted, you know, so I want to like, I want to sort of swim around inside of all of that. So I think, yeah, sort of between those two worlds, because it's some days it's like, I mean, look, within five minutes, sometimes it's like, this is the greatest moment of my life. And then a couple minutes later, I'm like, I'm just going to jump off a building, right? It's like, so there's like, there's, there's beauty in between those two things. And I think I try to swim around inside of those, right? It's like, um, I think there's something interesting to be written about when it's, sort of you know perfected or completely broken but once it's sort of in that vanilla place it's kind of like blah right mm-hmm. so i'm like yeah i think you're what i'm saying is i think you're completely spot on cool yeah <laughs> let's play a little bit of the album this is bad art and weirdo ideas Yeah, so with with titling a song that, what what are you getting at? With calling like the bad art weirdo ideas. Well, you know how everything's subjective, right? Mm-hmm. It's like um I think it's just sort of a little bit of a spin on that, you know? Um Look, I've never been a confident guy, you know. I've ne- like it goes back to what I said before, you know, and I'm just like I'm sort of always you know, this is going to sound like I'm pandering here, but I'm always sort of like shocked and surprised when people show up at shows and like care about the records or like want to talk to me or anything like that so it's like I sort of just always see myself as ah, this, this is going to sound depressing but it's not meant to be it's like you know you're never quite good enough and I think here look the the, the optimistic part of that is it keeps your razor sharp yeah you know your work never better. gets dull you know um so I think that's what it is it's sort of that like a tongue-in-cheeky way of sort of exploring that like to me it's all like I'm sort of wrapped up in bad art and weirdo ideas you know it's like I've never really, this is probably the first time in my life I've felt, even though I've done other bands that have had, you know, some level of people cared, right? It's like, it's the first time I've ever started to feel kind of accepted and maybe like I matter a little bit, you know? So it's like, uh, yeah, that's it. I mean, that, that it, it's really just that. It's really this kind of cheeky way of, I don't know, exploring these sort of like, am I good enough sort of person. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and like I agree. Like it seems like Beach Slang, you formed what it was like twenty thirteen, yeah, fourteen, yeah, somewhere like, in there. Yeah, like the end of thirteen, beginning of fourteen. Yeah, yeah. and like almost immediately, you were getting <laughs> press and like interviews and people yeah. just praising it. You know. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a wild ride. Like really right out of the right out of the kick. You know, um, you know, really lovely, right? But you you can't see that coming, and it's just been like so. Now I'm just holding on to it and just trying to not have it change. Like. I literally like I won't get a new belt. I won't change what I wear when we play shows because I'm just like I don't want to disrupt uh-huh. whatever uh, whatever weird weirdo magic is sort of surrounding it right now. So so we'll see. I'm just gonna have fun with it as long as um, people care about it. And then when they don't, I'll I'll go away like people should when <laughs> you yeah. know you know their things no longer welcome. I, I don't want to become an embarrassment to the thing that I care so much about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want to ask you about the Goo Goo Dolls. Oh, surely. This yeah. part of the interview. Oh, yeah. I think, but the, th- the thing is, <laughs> I was saying, I was, like looking at the press and how you were getting it very quickly, a lot of praise, that comes up, the similarities to their early sounds in a yeah. lot of the interviews. How do you feel about that? Because I feel like <laughs> the average, like pretty much anyone who knows about like rock music or like on the radio, rock music on the radio, they know who the Goo Goo Dolls are, but most people would not think of them as like cool and when they compare a punk band to them, they don't get it. Right, right. Yeah, fair enough. It was, I mean, it was definitely, it, it confused friends of mine and, and things like that. Um, I think, look, you know, for me, like, you know, I own maybe the first three, four Goo Goo Dolls records, and I think they're brilliant. You know, um, t- to me, the Goo Goo Dolls were always trying to be the replacements, right? Much like, you know, I don't think that's a very far cry from what I'm trying to do. I already cited the Westerberg chords, right? Um I think I think what happened is, you know, Meg Ryan made that film and, you know, that slower kind of thing was in there. And I think mm-hmm. that sort of... City of Angels. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's sort of, obviously, it's sort of, it's stained. It, it, right, if, if, that, if that's your identification point with the Goo Goo Dolls, right, I mean, you're probably not going to 
talk about them in the same way you're going to talk about, you know, Jawbreaker, the replacements or something like that. But it's like, um, hey, look, I hope people are digging a little bit deeper, right? If they're, if they're, <clears throat> if they're digging the things Slang's doing and you're hearing about like the Goo Goo Dolls or whatever, it's like, go to like Superstar Car Wash and Boy Named Goo and like, stuff's super brilliant, you know? Um, and I, so yeah, I think, uh, I've always sort of dug that like flipping people's minds a little bit. Um, I think maybe there's a chance for that here. Not that they need my help. They're, you know, mm-hmm. infinitely larger than this band will ever be. But, um, but yeah, it, it's sort of a shame to me when, when a band has written so many really, really incredible songs and records that um, sort of one thing sort of... I love it, is basically what I'm saying. I mean, if we continue to get Goo Goo Dolls comparisons, I'm like, <laughs> sure, wrap me up in them. You know, I'm more than happy to take that for sure. Yeah, yeah. and I, I really like those old records you mentioned. What was right. it... It's I, it's interesting to talk to someone who was like into that music before they broke. Like, were they just were they thought of along the same lines roughly as like a Jawbreaker band being like a college rock replacements oh. influence thing? Oh sure. Back then, I mean, their shows were really loud and wild, and they were like, I mean, they really started off as like kind of a dirty punk band in Buffalo. You know, um, yeah, they were definitely like you. You certainly sort of. You were you were you were you were you were proud to have those records in your collection. I mean, mm-hmm. I still am, you know. Um, yeah, I remember when we first got the <clears throat> the Goo Goo Dolls stuff started happening, and I remember this. I, j- I just told you I've, I've got to speak to Adam a number of times, and he sort of laid on me how meaningful those records were to those guys, and I was like, okay, I'm bulletproof now. You know, like if anybody tries to sort of look at sort of sort of look at the Goo Goo Dolls comparison, sort of cockeyed. I can be like, no, nah, I know another yeah, band know, that you yeah. really love that those records <laughs> meant a lot to. And it just, it did give me sort of a, a sort of a, a, a calming, not that I care so much. I mean, I, I try not to really involve myself with press and hype and sort of, you know, everybody, you know, how, you know how the deal is, right? The cliche the sort of thing is everybody has opinions, right? It's like, how, how much do you buy into those? Mm-hmm. I try to buy into them good or bad you know, a little bit, right? Because I don't want it to sort of start changing my mindset. I don't want to write something because I don't want to start writing for somebody who's has a very particular opinion, right? So, but at any rate, I'd be lying if I didn't say it didn't give me a sense of, oh, okay, we're all right now, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, we talked about, trying to think going forward, we talked about fast. You just, you guys have so many tour dates coming up. We do. What is it like looking at that itinerary <laughs> right now? Yeah, it's kind of, it's, you know, it's overwhelming in some regards, you know, but um, look, you know, really, that's just, we get to be on vacation, you know, we get to like drive around and play guitars and hang out with friends. It's not like, it, like, it does look like a lot of work and, and right, at times it is. I mean, you're, you're always out of the little comfort zone of like your bed or like the crackers you keep in your cupboard, you know, those kind <laughs> of things. But it's like, you know, it's like, man, people do a lot harder things to make livings, you know? It's like, I'm not Mm -hmm. going to complain because I have to go play shows, you know? Um, But yeah, like, when I look at it, I'm like, I never unpack, you know? I just, like, whatever is, we come home and it's dirty, sure, I, like, wash it, but everything else I just leave in my suitcase because it's kind of pointless to ever get too comfortable. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I signed up for that. And, and, you know, we wanted to sort of, like, we very intentionally took the safety net out of our lives. If, like, if we're going to do this, let's do it all the way. So, like fly or fall you know we can say to ourselves like we gave it everything we had you know we can't we can't force it to be successful but we can kind of give it everything we have to see if it can be you know so so yeah so we're in we're in that we're in that headspace yeah yeah what's what's like the hardest part about holding up through all those days is it maybe vocals singing or something else yeah um i don't know i've had really good luck with my throat like I and I I can't believe it's still holding out. You know, I mean, it, it's definitely starting to starting to crackle a little bit. You know, you hear it on these records, it's a lot more. It's getting a little, getting a little, getting a little waitsy. You know, getting a little Tom Waitsy, and it's starting to <laughs> starting to choke out a little bit. But um, you know, I've been damaging the thing for a really long time, so it's like um, and yeah, it holds up on tour really great. I would say, I fall on stage a lot. Um, so I don't know, it's more physical stuff like that. I mean, okay. On purpose or in, not on purpose? Well, not on purpose, but it seems to happen a lot because I'm, I'm a very physical guitar player, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I don't know. You know, that's the thing. It's like uh, 
I feel like uh, writing songs for me, it feels like baptism and playing live shows feels like an exorcism. You know, yeah. they're both very necessary. So when I'm in the exorcism <laughs> stage, you know, it's everything short of speaking in tongues. You know, it's a it's just a fun thing that I really want to throw myself into. And, you know, I, I have the bruises and the torn pants to show for it. So, yeah, it's probably just that. But I, I don't know. I suppose adrenaline is a really great bit of medicine, you know, mm. like before shows every night. I just I don't know what it is. It's like you're here. You're going to do it. So it's like my body just sort of listens to that and does it. Yeah, I've had touring musicians tell me that right after they get off tour, they'll just, it'll become 10 p.m. and they'll, they'll just be wired and ready to go, like, need to do something. <laughs> For sure, with, without question. And, I mean, you know, conversely, it's like the first couple days of tour, I'm not quite used to, like, the day starting at 10 p.m. Um, so those are always, like, a little, like, and then it's like, then I'm completely in tour mode, and then I get home, and it literally is just, like, weirdo middle of the night adrenaline thing and i'm just like oh i just need things to do you know so yeah it's good to hear that that's that's across <laughs> the board you know <laughs> yeah yeah and with, with vocals i was gonna say i was expecting your speaking voice to be more like gravelly or gruff because i feel like <laughs> your speaking voice and your singing voice are pretty different yeah i think i really try to i really try to baby it when i'm not singing uh -huh. you know i really try to you know Seduct seductive whispers you know <laughs> sort of my approach to speaking um but yeah yeah I, yeah it, it is cool i i just I, what i what i learned was and i think this is aiding that sort of crackly singing voice which i adore i'm glad my voice is breaking up two things happened i read this interview with paul mccartney and he said before he cut i think it was helter skelter he went out back and he just screamed at the top of his lungs for like half an hour so it gave him that raspy sort of thing and i was like Okay, that's really cool. And then I discovered mm -hmm. um, using a capo, right? So now instead of singing without one, I put that little thing up on my guitar and I'm forced to sing in a higher register. And sort of my voice sort of naturally breaks up by doing that, which gives me that sort of urgent, frail thing that's happening. So those two things really sort of like helped me find this particular singing voice. Okay. But then when I'm just talking, I'm able to keep it sort of yeah sort of sweet yeah, <laughs> yeah. so with, with beach slang songs there's like a specific vocal tinge you're going mm -hmm. for oh without question yeah i'm definitely treating my voice as like an instrument like for real an instrument as opposed to other things it's like i did it's like yeah it's an instrument but i'm just going to sing it how it comes out here it's like i'm trying to do it in a way that's like suits what i'm saying yeah. you know and how we sound yeah but then, you know, I write like shoegazy kind of stuff that just is sort of living on like my little demo tapes at home. And that's all really breathy and reverbed and sounds like more like my speaking voice. So um, so that's still there. I can still do the pretty stuff. I don't know how much how much longer I have with that, the way I'm beating it up in, in slang. But um, but we'll see. It's still cooperating with me. So the shoegazy stuff, that's just for your own enjoyment or does you share that with people? No, ju no, just myself. You know, it's like, I, I you know, I love that stuff um so yeah, i enjoy writing it and i think it's a good exercise for me to stay fresh with beach slang and i think it you know it'll help inform beach slang a little bit just like maybe from a melodic sense in a way so i'll deliver it differently of course with beach slang but um i don't know it's just like a different vehicle for writing and i think that helps expand my head a little bit you mm -hmm. know for things i do write for beach slang yeah and we'll see what i do with it one day you know maybe it'll be you know just like a super old man and i'll put out this box set of stuff nobody <laughs> wants you know but it's just set? like yeah but it's just like hey i just want to put this out before my lungs give up on me you know With kind bo of deal. bootlegs recordings of the jawbreaker cover shows and all the <laughs> fest shows from two weeks from now all those like ho from know, some hotel kid, shows yeah <laughs> some kid who was recording all that <laughs> it'll, it'll be packaged really beautifully but the sound like the sound quality will just be abysmal you know <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, with talking about writing different kinds of guitar music and how it informs beach slang, it made me think of the acoustic songs towards the middle of the album. It's that's too late to die young. Right. Yeah. yeah. How did that one come out? Because it's like it's the one like that interlude, and it's not really an interlude, but it kind of acts that way. The one acoustic song with strings on the album. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I had that for a bit. I I remember writing it, and we tried it as a band, and it just lost that sort of intimate thing that it was it to me is sort of the focus of the song you know so yeah so we just decided to leave it uh, acoustic and then we, we we toured with cursive a couple months back and megan played cello 
on that tour. Oh wow! So okay. I was, we were just like, Megan, would you? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and uh, and she was sweet enough to sort of immediately turn that around. And and I remember she re- she recorded those tracks. We recorded um, just outside of Philadelphia. Um, she recorded them. So we sent her the track, and she recorded up here in New York. And and I remember her and the engineer sending them back and I immediately heard it and I was like wow like you just really made like you know my clumsy little acoustic songs sound (laughs) so much better I mean she just really beautifully knocked it out of the park I mean she had like no direction it was just like play what you feel you know and she just yeah thank you Megan it was really (laughs) really stunning it was really beautiful so I was so happy yeah I guess that's is that Maybe you know, maybe you don't. Is that how it normally comes up when a rock band or a punk band decides to have strings on an album? You just show the songs to the person playing the instrument and be like, do something with this. I, I, I mean, certainly for us, right? Because I, w- I would always hear her warming up like backstage. So mm-hmm. all you heard was cello. And I was just like, that, that's just beautiful, right? So it was just like, that was just knocking around in my head ever since that tour. So it was kind of like, yeah, then I like recorded that and sang and I just put those little piano tickles on it or whatever. And I was just like, it just felt like it didn't have that sort of bottom that you get, you know? And mm-hmm. I was like, Megan, that that little Megan knocking around in my head thing was there. And um, yeah, it just felt like it was like, then I heard it with cello and I was like, it's done. Like, it was just that simple. So yeah, for us, like, look, everything, I don't, I think with my gut more than I think with my head, you know, it's just like when something feels right in a moment, I just kind of go for that thing and if it sits right in my bones that's what it's meant to be um i I suppose other bands kind of plan it out and like want to play with like the new york philharmonic on a track it's like (laughs) i'm not trying to be that sort of you know sort of grand with things you know i just kind of want to make honest recordings and representations of these things i wrote at a certain period of time and having megan play on that track felt very right you know in the future we'll see how garish we get with things but I can't imagine we ever will, you know. Mm. I'm thinking of, do you remember when, I don't think they do this anymore, but there was a string quartet, and every time there would be, like, a popular rock or pop album, like, six months after it, they would redo it, and you'd see it in Best Buy, like, in the same section (laughs) as the artist. Right, yeah. Oh, I've seen those. I, I, um, oh, I would love that. I, you mean if someone did a beach line one? Are you feel, are you are you just stating that that I thing was, exists? I mean, it would be cool. If oh, it would be amazing. <laughs> oh, I would love that. I'd put that on to go to bed every night. It'd be beautiful. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I remember those well. I think I own I own one, and I can't for the life of me remember who it is, um, because I just thought it was sort of a cool. I also have. Do you ever hear those like the lullaby CDs? Um, they just did one of a metal band. Okay. But what are you? What oh, I, I, are you talking about? Yeah, I have the Pixies and the Smiths. Okay, ones, I do and, not know about those. Oh yeah, and it's just this 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 guy does these things, and he basically makes them sound like like little baby lullabies, you know. But they're like, you know, whatever it might be, Monkey Gone to Heaven or this Charming Man, all this uh-huh. like amazing stuff, and it sounds like it sounds incredible. You know, a lot of times I'll sit around during the day designing, and I put that stuff on because I don't want the like clutter of lyric in my head, you know. Um, but it just reminded me of when you were talking about those string quartet versions of albums. Um, yeah, all this cool stuff that you can you can sort of do in music. Yeah, yeah. I think a Blink One Eighty Two version with the lullabies just came out. I think oh, that okay. I was thinking of that. Okay. Yeah. 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 That guy's a wizard. I mean, it's really because uh, he does everything, you know. And there's all these kind of weird sounding instruments and stuff. I'm really blown back by that stuff, you know. Yeah. It reminds me of like. You know, I'm a big Brian Wilson fan. You know, you take like those little bits of like pet sounds and stuff. It's sort of like, I don't know, puts me in that kind of place. I really dig that. Yeah, and I feel like it would have been a very Brian Wilson or maybe Brian Eno kind of project of just spending all this madcap time in like the studio trying to construct the perfect sleeping song to put people like find, crack, crack like the algorithm to put people to sleep. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say, I think I think there is some sort of joke bands would want to avoid in having their songs reworked as lullabies to put people to sleep. <laughs> but I guess if you've gotten to that level already, where that's happening, right? Yeah, your, your concerns are surely <laughs> surely fewer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool, cool. Uh, one more thing I want to talk about um, sure. your your art design work because you do all the beach slang art, right? Correct. Correct. And that's yeah. also, do you do that part-time or is that like something you're still doing, like working in graphic design? 
yet no i'm just full-time band at this point you know mm -hmm. like you know we started touring so much that the agency i was working for you know i sort of had that hey we love you but you know you're never here you know let's let's make a decision um obviously i've decided to keep playing guitar um so i'll freelance design you know when it comes around but it's like between playing and beach slang and writing and and doing design for beach slang it's you know it's full-time and a half job as it is you know so um but yeah so yeah so you know it's not like um right so art school didn't necessarily pay off in the way that like i'm making money off of art but but i am getting to sort of preserve this work that i'm doing and like you know things are getting to look you know the way i want them to look you know um yeah and you know i have a i have a pretty clear vision of how i want beach slang to sort of feel right it's like i don't know if you took like you know, Mary Ellen Mark and Craig Stesick and 1970s California and the Smiths, right? I suppose in equal parts. You know, that's what I want beach slang to look like. So I get to make sure that happens. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. See, mom, I told you art school was the right <laughs> thing to do. <Yeah. laughs> As she's paying my electric bill. Yeah. No, yeah, that's a joke. <laughs> Where did you go to art school? Um, right in Philadelphia at the Art Institute, right in Center City. Oh, cool. Yep. Yeah. My my friend went there. Oh, right on. The Philadelphia, oh. the Philadelphia Institute of the Arts. Okay. Uh, what what is what's the full name of it that that you went to? Art Institute of Philadelphia. But then okay. there's like University of the Arts. There's like yeah, U Arts is where U -Arts. my friend yeah, went. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. I was going to go there, but I can't draw well. Okay. And I know that that's a requirement for, uh, you know. All right. <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to spare myself the embarrassment, you know. Um, yeah. Computers allow me to be an artist, mm -hmm. <laughs> if you will. Yeah. So, yeah. And what part of Philly do you live in now? Well, right now I split my time between Center City and then the suburbs. So I just, like, broke out living there all the time. Yeah. A little bit back, you know. Um, yeah, because it was, like... I love it, you know, and I think, like, the thing about the city that sort of sticks with me, and I try to be down there a lot, like, we still rehearse there, our rehearsal space and stuff's there, is, like, there's that great sort of romantic grit to it, you know, that, like, blue-collar underdog, awesome, you know, that, that, that thing, you know, um, so that's really cool, but at the same time, right, I'd be trying to write songs, and, like, my neighbor's, like, pounding on the wall telling me to shut up and things mm -hmm. like that, so it's, like... That's also very romantic, very, like... Blue collar, that all fits in. For sure, it all fits in, right? But it, but it, it greatly sort of impeded on the ability to write records. Mm -hmm. um, so now, right, I get to sort of like be in a room and sort of shout it out and sort of figure out what I want to, what I want to make in a way that I don't have to sort of worry about about noise ordinances, you know. Mm -hmm. So, th so that's like the good part. Yeah. And, you know, I guess you're going to be away from home for a long time. Well, you're going to be back. It looks like there's a gap around the holidays for the, from the tour. Right, right. We'll decide, you know, we decided we want to, you know, at least be home for that stuff and, you know, do, do the thing that people do. And then, and then yeah, you know, kind of take off again. Like, we, we go over to Europe for a month early into the new year. Um, super excited about that, of course. Um, you know, and then we'll see what happens when we get back from there. I can't imagine we'd be sitting still long, but... Um, you know, I want to start thinking about LP2 and when we record that, because we know, you know, we're going to do things. We want to make sure that's recorded before the summer of 2016, because... The, the second album. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, or at least in my head, that would be, that would make sense. So, so yeah, you know, touring, making another record, the thing bands do, you know, never stopping, is it, you know? Yeah. As long as, as long as we're not stopping, I'm, I'm good. Because it seems like... The way the band formed and the immediate press that we talked about, it's just been rapid fire. There have been no gaps, and there's been a lot of momentum. So I can see, not to put pressure, but I can see why it's just like, yeah, we need to keep going with this. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, when, like, Bukowski was asked to write his first book, like, he, he turned it around in, like, a week, and, you know, his publisher was sort of astonished by that, and he... He asked Bukowski how he did it, and Bukowski just said fear, you know? Like, that's where I'm at with this, you know? <laughs> I, I, if, if I let go of it for too long, there's, you know, there's how many bands in the world? A trillion or so, right? It's kind of like why anybody's paying attention to us on any level is incredible, you know? So it's like, I just want to make sure we don't get stale and, like, we get better dealed or something, you know? So it's like... You know, I just want to keep flirting with people enough that they sort of stick around, you know, um, and the, the way to do that is to like play shows and make records, you know, and it's the thing I love more than anything. So it's not a it's not a tall order.
but yeah. Yeah, have, are you going to be writing things on the road? Do you have stuff already? For sure. Yeah, I have the I have the skeleton of half the records. For oh wow! Yeah, and the first album is not even out yet. Yeah, yeah. I write every day. You know, it's the thing I feel like it. Uh, you know, keeps me planted. You know, so so yeah. So it's so it's really cool. I can't write songs so well on when we're on tour, but I can write lyrics really well. I think because it just I don't know. You're sort of traveling around and you're in that like Kerouacian sort of space. You know, that headspace. So. It has like a nice sort of quality to it. So yeah, so I really was trying to focus on writing songs, at least getting like melody lines and sort of rough demos like that that I could take on tour and then sort of put words to them, you know, get get to play the, the role of a writer for a while, you know, yeah. a novelist, you know. So yeah. Oh wow, that's a really cool thing I think to end with because I did not know you were working on that. I did not know the second album was halfway, well, not really halfway done, but Skeleton's halfway done. Oh yeah, yeah. Hey, look, I'm shiftless when I'm idle, you know. <laughs> so I just, I just have to keep moving. There it is. Yeah. See, I had to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. cool. Yeah, I wish you the best of luck. I think your album's awesome. Oh, so. right on. And yeah. thank you so much for taking the time to talk. This was, uh, this was very, very cool. I appreciate yeah. it. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, thanks so much for coming by. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. So that concludes another episode of the Alt and Our Stars. If you enjoyed this, hopefully you did, uh, it would be great if you could su- subscribe to the podcast, hit us up on the link towards the bottom of the story. If you're viewing this on billboards.com, that is. If not, if you're listening to this on iTunes, your iPhone or whatever, you can subscribe to the podcast by just searching for the Alt and Our Stars in podcasts. Also there we have archived episodes, lots of fun stuff we've done recently. I've had The Wonder Years on, I've had Bully on, Magical Clouds, tons of cool stuff to dig into in there. And also if you have any feedback at all about the podcast, good, bad, mediocre, or whatever you have, give us a star rating on iTunes, that helps a lot. And if you want to drop any specific notes to me, you can hit me up on Twitter. It's at cpain on a plane. C-P-A-Y-N-E-O-N-A-P-L-A-N-E or Chris.Payne at Billboard.com. There is new podcasts every Friday afternoon on Billboard.com. So until next week, uh, take care, everybody. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.